Welcome to Now This Is Podcasting. I'm your host, Connor, and I have my co-host, Jaden, here, <laughs> and our producer, McKinnon. What's up? <laughs> and uh, former guest, Calvin. Thank you for having me on. And uh, we are starting part three of our series on uh, The Lighthouse. And if you thought part one and two are pretentious, get ready, because we're going into union psychology now. Yeah, yeah, the, the, what great way to preface what I'm, what I have to talk about. I mean, it's pretentious to a degree, but it's it's something that um, it's it's just basic narrative structure that you don't really think about. A lot of images are loaded um, culturally, anyways, and with with Jung, these images carry like very specific um, meanings. But and I know we've mentioned like Jung on the podcast before. You know those who have listened it's to any of like them. The many that have. It's almost like uh, Calvin doesn't Hundreds talk about Calvin doesn't talk about anything else but Jungian psychology. Yeah, exactly. It was, and and um, it's funny because Robert Eggers is is all about like he he described like yeah, I'm, I me and my it. brother we were given to our Jungian predilections yeah. for creating our archetypes and characters. I want to I want to watch and review like a the first Winnie the Pooh movie and have Calvin be like, well, this is what Jungian would have to say. About. Like, oh my God, shut up. Well, that, that would be great because <laughs> all of the characters in Winnie the Pooh are based on uh, clinical, um, uh, yeah. or not psychosis, but like personality, like depression. Okay. Like, like really yes, yeah, it would be, exactly. it would be perfect. Yeah. That's such a great I idea. That. I knew that already. I was being sarcastic and, and now we've now we've created a, a new yeah. episode. That actually sounds like a blast. For more yeah. content in the future. Absolutely. for yeah. Robin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Christopher but, Robin is our damsel in distress archetype. No. But the movie Christopher Robin starring Ewan McGregor. <laughs> my mistake. Oh heck, that's a thing that it came is. out. Yeah. It made me cry. My eyes out. No way. Yeah, it's good, dude. Mm. Good for you. Yeah. That's great. But Lighthouse though. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so so we've talked a little bit about um, archetypes in general, and I haven't given a great description of what they are. But what archetypes are are universal primal symbols that represent ideas that are shaped by the whole of humanity within the collective unconscious. And the collective unconscious is this large nebulous thing that then impresses itself on individuals to drive conscious behaviors. And when they act consciously, certain archetypes will manifest depending on the environmental context of the individual. The theory comes from the pervasiveness of certain symbols, characters, story structures that occur throughout history in different cultures. The, the idea of heroes, maidens, tricksters, flood myths, gender roles, snakes, genitalia, mandalas. And Jung rejected the notion of tabula rasa, that the mind is, is born blank. Um, he assumed that looking to all of our missing stories that we can infer that these symbols were innate to humans from birth and they continue to manifest as recurrent symbols. So thus how we tell our stories as um, a collective species then becomes how we tell our stories as individuals. And Jung used that line of thinking to help treat his patients. He identified their four main um, personality archetypes. Can I, um, can I ask you something? Sure, sure. I, I, you're on a great ramble here and I love it. <laughs> so you bring up Jung a lot. Are there not other kind of psychologists, behaviorists who have impact on how stories are told or why we understand movies certain ways? I just, I just noticed he's probably yeah. the one you bring up the most, and I wonder is there, is there no one else, or is I he just, is he just done the best job of like laying out these archetypes and kind of why we act the way we are, why we, why we think the way we do, uh, why we develop the way we do? Is he just kind of the, is, is the gold his standard? Yeah, is he just kind of the standard how you compare and how you would implement these into like that, like what we're doing now, like critiquing or analyzing a film? 
or a character or do you just like him or or is he just your boy <laughs> yeah. yeah no and i don't i don't know why um that is the case but he is some someone that we're we're taught a lot in film school i don't know what so if you think of film as a language that speaks through images and symbols to come up with a basic language of where these where symbols mean certain things and you can say the thing without you know without actual dialogue so that's why it comes up in so many different things is 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 archetypes are really easy ways um to visually represent what you're trying to say why jung is the dominant one i'm not really sure um okay, but there's also yeah. like other freudian ones like their their work um um they were like together like for, for like, a little bit, and then yeah, for like thirteen off, yeah. years. Like they, they work. I think something like that. They work together a yeah. lot. So there's a lot of uh, overlap between their theories and between um, uh, the symbols that they ascribe. But um, and not to like derail what we were talking about, but I, I, I just I wonder because it gets brought up a lot, and I was like, is there no one else? Like, yeah, I, I don't know why. It's just it's just an agreed upon language that filmmakers use uh, to create their stories. Okay, no, that's so, fair. I, I just kind of wanted. A little more background. A l- at least a, a, l- yeah. a lot of them. I'm sure there are other ones that, like, like Aronofsky uses almost entirely um, uh, biblical draws uh, from biblical references. Okay. So, like, it's not. I don't think his is quite as human inspired as just straight up. Like, you know, I have a, a thing for biblical symbols because he grew up Jewish, and um, how, where he goes from there is how he constructs his stories. Did he do Mother? Oh, yes. Okay. Okay, uh, I, we can man. do that later. Uh, so much. You're talking about biblical stuff, and I was like, I feel uh, like I think Aronofsky did Mother, but yeah, anyways, we'll get absolutely. back on track. Mother is a ridiculous movie. Oh yeah, that's yeah. It's it's, but um, but anyways, <laughs> like um, so the way he would treat his patients is he would identify their four main personality archetypes: that of the persona, what we show; that of the shadow, which we hide. That of the anima or animus, the opposing gender expression of one's own sex. So anima for men, animus for a woman. And then that of the true self, the I rather than the me. Like if you're into that kind of philosophical distinction. um, And that encompasses all of the conscious self as well as the unconscious self, the ego and the collective unconscious. So Jung conjectured that bringing all of these elements into harmony would allow his patients to achieve individuation and then and thus psychic equilibrium which is really important because when you're talking about the shadow self the person that you hide it's generally antagonistic it's um not always like a good thing but it's something that like you know like guilt and shame you know repressed um gay sexual feelings those things weighing on the persona and how it drives um one's psychic equilibrium out of balance so that's why this is so important so as a psychological tool, it is um, good for counseling because you can then take an individual and have them see themselves in different aspects. Like, how do you like how do you identify like in the world? Like, do you see yourself as as more of a hero, and how do you function? Like, what what do you think that you're really enacting the things that um, your shadow and your true self are really trying to make you do? Like, is everything in line? Um, as objective psychology it's mostly garbage <laughs> okay um it's really it's really more akin to um just uh, observations like there's no there's no there's never any um experimentation like uh there was no there were no trial cl- clinical trials a lot of current uh science has moved on from jung and freud for the reason that 
all of it was arm armchair psychology. It was just conjecture. I think they hit on some things that are universal, but they have no way of saying that any of this stuff is objective. Like to say that um, uh, stories are innate to everyone is probably a bit of a stretch. Like you could say that human culture um, evolved through like stories, like we exchange stories and information and that's why stories matter so much to us. And we like those, those archetypes because they just come up in so many different stories. But to say that it was there because of this, <laughs> Like Jung, Jung's conjectures tend to be more pseudoscientific and it's sort and of like religious. they were they were innate to a person already and not something that yeah, was coming from down like as yeah, much, yeah coming from like a giant like you can think of it almost like um like a spiritual cloud that we all pull information from in a very new age sort of um, universal like wavelength and so then we're we're taking these ideas and then applying them to these characters these archetypes that are in the lighthouse yeah so that's the thing it's like um. They're, it's not great like psychology, but they are fantastic narrative tools. Because if we all agree, like the the idea of like what a hero embodies, and that's that's the other part of uh, what's wrong with Hume, with uh, Hung, uh, Jung is um, heroes can mean different things for different cultures. Like if the culture interprets like how we interpret um, the uh, the swastika now is very different than how it's oh. in uh, Indian <laughs> culture. Yeah. Because I wasn't expecting that. Well, well no, I know exactly what you're talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, because it's a it's a part of a Hinduism. I'm pretty sure. Oh, you're saying like the design, not yeah. Oh, yeah. You're saying the design, not the a swastika means. I mean, I'm pretty sure the Nazis blatantly stole that. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing because is of how. Yeah, but now while we interpret the the swastika is very different than how it would have been before. So it's not. It can't be a universal symbol because the culture interprets these signs. Um, to the context of today, like they didn't have innate meaning, like and right, so if they right. didn't, if they don't have innate meaning. Then you're looking at it ass backwards. You're you're getting too reductionist. So that's that's the the problem with uh, with Jung. But like, if we I have like a right. general like, sense of like what a hero yeah. is, like the archetypes work well because you. I mean, you need to you need to have some way of knowing what the character is about and. And, you know, you got your, your tricksters, your hero, you got, you know, your damsel in distress. And everyone knows these characters. And I think uh, when you bring up Jung, it, it, it's a good way to uh, kind of uh, give a good, a good way of assigning what these characters actually mean and what they're about. I think we, we kind of know what it is because uh, you just have experienced life and you've watched film and you've read stories. And you, you kind of inherently know, but this is like more of a uh, gives a better assignment to like what they actually are. Yeah, and how you lead expectations too, because if you set up something somebody as a hero and then they don't conform to that archetype, then you have a really interesting tension between uh, in your narrative about who is this character and what are they really doing then. Omni Man. <laughs> oh my God! Wow. Okay. Yeah. Have you guys seen? Uh, Invincible. Have you guys seen Invincible? I haven't yet. I need it's to. So good. No, this is all I've been doing. Uh, we plugged it earlier. <laughs> I think. It's, I think it maybe our like our first episode yeah. we plugged Invincible. Oh man, that's really good. You guys, should, it's a great animated series. Calvin has been watching The Lighthouse. Cal for Calvin's watched. <laughs> Cal Calvin's watched Lighthouse every day <laughs> 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 leading up to this episode. Just, just two times. He's but becoming I've been, more powerful I've been every time he watches it, yeah. though. <laughs> 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 his power level is over 9,000 now. Yeah, that's what going to film school... Final form. Yeah, that's We're what, approaching uh, his final form. Yeah, yeah, that's what going to film school does for you. It unlocks your limiter. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just growing stronger by the day. 
All right. So <laughs> All right. So back to phalluses. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Penis. That's. I mean, like, it's explicit in the script that the lighthouse stands tall on the island like an erect penis. It's. It was. It's not a secret. Um, I mean, could you imagine if the lighthouse was lying down like a flaccid penis? There's actually a great uh, in the montage. I don't know if you remember. Um, there's a shot of the lighthouse from the side view, and then they twist the uh, the, the Whoa, image. Whoa! Really? Yeah. So that the um, lighthouse oh is pointing God, straight up, really just clever. like right. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. It was flaccid at one point. You yes. smart. You smart cookie. Okay. You don't even know how much you you I know. know. Big words. Flaccid. You subconsciously, you picked up on that. Yeah. Okay. Do you have something? Does your shadow self have something to express? I'm repressing a lot of <laughs> things right now. I'm repressing my feelings about lighthouses. I didn't even know that. Um, your your deep-seated feelings toward lighthouses. But, yeah, let's, I mean, let's just run through all of the things that are fallacies in this film. Because it's almost everything. Um, A, the lighthouse. Um, the logs um, <laughs> in that dream sequence where... Uh, right. That's that's meant to um, uh, connote uh, penises. Um, Which, real quick on the logs, I thought that was interesting the first time I saw it because when you see that is like that's like the first fifteen minutes of the movie. That's really really short. Uh, it, I mean, it happens really early on, and you don't find out that he's a lumberjack until far later. Yeah. And then I like connected the dots. I thought that was clever that they show that really early. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's important. Um, that scene we'll we'll get into more detail about it, but that one's really important. Yeah. Um, the foghorn. Um, is phallic in nature. Oh yes, and wow. so okay. Penises don't make noise. <sighs> but no, it's I've not. Had, I've had one my whole life. It not a peep. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> maybe. Crazy. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you're just not trying hard enough. Every, t- every time you come. <laughs> <laughs> This is why I don't have roommates anymore. <laughs> 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 All right. So elaborate on the foghorn. Please. Okay. So the, the foghorn, especially like, um, I, apparently nobody remembers it, but when he is cleaning it, he's sitting inside of it and scrubbing it. Okay. Is that that's like the oh that's the pipe he's like sitting in? That's, that's the, the foghorn. Fog that's the foghorn. I thought horn. it was just like a duct or yeah, a, 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 some kind of a sewage line. Just or. out of nowhere. <laughs> I didn't – okay, I, I must not know enough about foghorns because I didn't know that that was what it was. I mean, you just were telling me that you've had a foghorn your whole life, and yeah. you don't even know how it works. <laughs> I'm, a fa- I'm, I'm a faker, dude. No, okay, I guess I just – I didn't know that that's what it was. Um. So, yeah, so he is sitting in the foghorn, scrubbing it, and it's actually very similar. Do you think about the – how – um, earlier in the film, he was told if I if if I want you to pull up every nail and suckle off the rust of every single one of them make, until they shine like a sperm whale's pecker, and he is literally scrubbing a penis. Wow. Okay. And the only reason, and the, the more the the greater reason that I know when it you is said a when you said foghorn, I thought you meant the sound of foghorn. Me makes. too. That's what well. I thought yeah. when you when you said. I'm that. sorry. Yeah, the actual apparatus, the the, the physical piece okay that yeah. makes more sense to me now and so and he's and i and know for a fact that he uh has seen the scene i'm thinking of but there is a uh scene in eisenstein's uh battleship with duncan from i want to say 1915 yeah we've all seen that for sure yeah, yeah. Absolutely. that's why yeah fresh. yeah link in the thumbnail for all those who may not know um, it's only 106 years old 
<laughs> um, but there, there is this, there's a, there's a Russian film was was really inf- influential in early film history, um, and there is a shot that has uh, of a cannon dripping lubricant to signify um, phallic power. That's, I, I, that was exactly what I thought of when I saw it, and I've seen interviews t- of him talking about. Um, uh, Eisenstein's um, Soviet montage theory, so we know that he's seen this film. So he's drawing on old um, film imagery that connotes penises. So how much are how all guns dicks? <sighs> That's I mean, th- it's it's a really big part for for some filmmakers. They yeah. they will use it as a as like because it's power. Like they have power over over a man. Well, I almost like I almost feel like like in. Not film, like in real in life. life. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Like, that's kind of the way that. Well, and that's yeah. You know, think about that's that, and that's why, like, like when, uh, when, when, it, I mean, in movies, especially or like just in real life, where they're like they'll, they'll put like a gun in someone's mouth. Yeah, and they'll be like, it's yeah. like the ultimate form of like power over someone. Yeah, yeah. and it's and very. That's very, it's can't very, bite yeah. that off, it's, can you? Yeah, it's very sexual. It's and very phallic. Yeah. yeah, and exactly, and that is those are the reasons that Freud and Jung. Um, believed what they did you could see those things how they represented these um what they what they thought were really important bodily functions um of how uh, penises and vaginas function as to power and dominance um within uh societies and cultures so it's just wild to me that this gets like movies to me uh, at least for a long time i was like i just want to be entertained by a movie and i just want to sit down and and watch something and see maybe something blow up or you know, a cool, a nice romance, a good relationship. And then uh, as I've gotten older, I just, I watch movies and I'm just like, oh my God, this Everything's is, a dick. this is not about like, there's so much more going on. There's certain movies. There's just so much more going on than yeah. a relationship or, or uh, some dynamic between characters or, or an action scene or something like that. It's like, <sighs> well, this, this is like a romance because of all the repressed feelings, really. It, it is in an Oedipal sense. You could think of, um, um, uh, Winslow trying to earn the favor of uh, Wake, who would be like a father figure. You're, you know, you're not, you're not the the governor. You're not a copper. You sure as shit ain't my father. I thought, okay, so I I actually put a note about that. I I picked up on that because he he makes a point to be like, you're not my father, even though he's like, he wants him to kind of be a father, like. It, it, yeah, he wants his approval. Yeah, because he, 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 you know we we talked about the book and everything, like the the ledger or whatever. And like he wants the approval, and when he realizes he's not getting it, he's like, you know, he's like he's hurt by that. And so he wants, like, he wants to be approved of. And and when he brings up, he's like, "You're not my father." It's like, well, you kind of want him to be though. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's and when he gets on down on his knees and he's begging, like, just let me see the light. Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah. There's so much in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> and so that's like, yeah, exactly. Like you could get to like a normal person or someone that just you know enjoys watching movies and just for what's what's there get to part two and be wow that was that was a deep film that was there was a lot there you know we talked about power dynamics we talked about supernatural sense and like but there is the way some people craft their films is so much deeper even than that um because i mean we have like the other big thing is um like just keys the the idea of keys um in this film keys unlock the lighthouse keys unlock the uh the um the dresser and what's housed behind both of those but the light that he wants to see, the logbook that he wants the approval of, and he like. So those the, things are vaginas. No, they're they're penises. No, the keys are penises. And the keyholes are vaginas. Yes. 
And then, wait, so what I'm thinking of is the logbook is a vagina. No, the logbook isn't a vagina. It's more of just a, a motif of, of – because um, it doesn't hold any specific, um, uh, like, object um, – representation you know like all of these things are phalluses because they're also shaped like phalluses yeah. the logbook um is just a a, a recurrent thief the uh motif representing um his approval for winslow um but you yeah you have keys so he um the one of my so keys and knives um one of my favorite scenes is um he has stolen the, the dinner knife right he goes and tries to unlock the um the light and it breaks so he goes and unlocks the cabinet um to get the logbook and it's not there and then he goes to steal the logbook from wake but then sees his keys and then ultimately holds the knife to his neck and so you have all of these crazy symbols like what does he really want what is he aiming for and which way does he want to take it does he want to earn it? Does he want to, you know, just kill him and be done with it? I don't know? think he knows at all. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. You you see his hesitancy between all of what these objects represent for him. Doesn't he say, like, awkward way to wear your shoes? I think he's queer, queer way. way. Queer way. <laughs> another, another thing that, the like, language uh, of how, uh, you know, it reinforces that androeroticism. Yeah. I think that that's just a word that they used to say, and it, it, it used to, yeah, but it, it also to means something meaning. now too. Yeah, but they're not filming this for people with today's connotations. They're filming it with a hundred years ago language. They they're trying to be for pure. today. Though. Yeah, no, but that's yeah. the thing. So that's what I'm saying about what we were saying about having the um, the the Willem Dafoe on the dog leash. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, that means something because people do things in the bedroom or whatever. I mean, it meant things like that back then, I don't too. think it did. 130 years ago, I don't think that there were people dominating their significant getting other I with the dog leash. I believe that they I were. I disagree. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Were but they? The, but oh, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. So it's like it's like kind of, I don't want like maybe like double speak. Like, so yeah, it, it is language that was used in the period. period accurate to use but, language like but that. But that language also means something today. And, and I think you're supposed to take it. Yes. You're supposed to take something away from it's that. It's possible yeah. that that is also intentional because people nowadays are going to interpret language a certain way. Right. Because right. Of today's culture. Sure. Yeah. It's just something. I do agree. I, I, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's period accurate, but it also means something now and you're watching the movie now. So you, sh- you're supposed to kind of take it a certain way, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, another um, great image is that of the axe. The axe that... It's like my favorite scene. Yeah, the, the, the axe crush it, uh, that breaks the boat, don't leave me, destroys the boat. And then he chases after him, almost like, like a Keystone Cops, like side-scrolling, like goofy animated cartoon like he's hobbling after him with an yeah. axe over him and he says you're you're a bet you're a bit neglecting or abandoning your post or whatever and then slams the axe in the table and then that axe is what he uses to attack um him with later when he hits his arm and it's also what kills him much like earlier in the hark scene where he's talking about um let his fell uh, foul befitting arm st- come down and strike you in the gullet and burst you and that's how he kills yeah. wake like so you have all of these these power dynamics represented in phallic shaped objects i oh. do i do like agree with Jaden. i think probably visually my favorite scene is the little chase when he's like yeah. he's like hobbling after him with the axe and uh, uh winslow's running away 
and it, it's just like yeah that side scrolling thing i think it's like my favorite it's visually awesome. my favorite yeah. scene in the movie i was like oh, oh yeah. man this is like it, it, i was like this is really good <laughs> like, it's yeah. really cool looking and it's kind of a different uh because there's a lot of like still the camera's very still most of the movie and so this one is like i'm assuming some kind of track moving along with them and so i was like it was dynamic it was it was different than a lot of the shots in the movie and that's why i was like when it popped up i was like oh this is like this is cool to see because it's kind of different than how the rest of the movie was made yeah and it's very uh, if you look at it it's, it's really grainy uh that one shot is um it feels out of focus whereas everything else is very crystal clear um but yeah, I I do love that one a lot. Well, it was raining during that scene, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the storm had come in and right. the wind had changed, and I just assumed that's up. why yeah. it was grainy. Yeah, and it probably was, but that's it's the only shot like that. Okay. Because even like when they were at the boat, it wasn't as grainy as that. Yeah, that's that's it's true. It's still just cool. Again, I I have already talked about how authentic this movie feels. Like it it, I feel like this movie could have been released, you know, back when they did black and white movies and it would oh, totally fit in it would 100%. absolutely fit in yeah absolutely and like that i mean especially like i actually watched um ingmar berryman's um seventh seal on sunday which is all uh black and white i want to say it was 1957 um and he also does uh Pishona, which came out in 60 these are movies that everyone well. watches yeah but very, <laughs> yeah but like very weird black and white films yeah, very representational like yeah. it would have fit like right in that era french oh, dishes okay. or something like that i was like is this food <laughs> <laughs> now ingmar berryman was a, a famous that sounds um, delicious swedish yeah he's swedish so I'll, have, I'll have the ingmar berryman <laughs> <laughs> It sounds very tasty. <laughs> it's very savory. Serve it IKEA. Sorry, you just bring up these things sometimes. I'm like, no one knows what you're, what you're talking I, about. I <laughs> yeah, and I don't like like if they want to look it up, it, it's fine. I was just going to mention that they're like. No, you know, I love it. Like, well, yeah, I, I mean, what you're saying is they it. fit in with those movies, the movies yeah. that we're talking yeah. about now, which is, I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love references. But yeah, yeah, and so you have. You know everything's a fallacy. I mean, think about too when he was um, painting the white, uh, the lighthouse with uh, the whitewash. Oh, yeah. You're earning high marks in my logbook, and yeah, yeah. Oh it's 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 a whole visual of uh, basically him just. Actually, you know, another um, great one is uh, if you'll notice throughout the film, um, Wake is smoking a pipe, and ha- uh, Winslow is smoking a cigarette. But there is one night where they've switched. And now they're smoking each other's Holy pieces. Holy fuck! Oh my god! Sixty nine. <laughs> they're just smoking. They're sixty nine. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, yeah, exactly. It's oh it's implied god. that they are smoking each other, that they have uh, sucked each other off because wow, now okay. they are they have switched uh what um who's they're smoking. Wow. I, okay, I have to be honest. It just sounds to me. I I didn't get any of that. It sounds to no, me yeah, like I wouldn't expect you to. It's <laughs> no, like, like this wow, stuff. Wow, Calvin. Th- I wouldn't expect most people to get it. Like, sure, like yeah. unless you've like like literally like you have to like be able to like deconstruct yeah. films and then like see them from a union perspective. Like, like it has to be specifically that way. Like yeah. you could look at tons of film critiques and never come up with these with these things but so like i get your rationale behind all of like your reasons for the the symbols of the fallacies fa- phallics phallices fal- phallices yeah i get all say dicks dude although the yeah the pps uh, all the <laughs> Ooh, all the symbols and stuff i get why you're saying that to me i didn't get that and it really just sounds like you're reading really 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 deep into it because to me a lighthouse is just a lighthouse yeah and i would and normally i would say that but mm-hmm. when um 
but I it's heard intentional. Him say, it's intentional because yeah. I've even heard him um, express how, you know, we, me and my brother, uh, Robert Eggers, referring to writing the script with his brother Max. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we tend to towards our our Jungian archetypes when we create characters, and when you're when you're that deep into it, like this this stuff comes out intentionally. And, he said, and like I think and <laughs> we, <laughs> comes out like the closet. We've, we've said earlier that you can you can watch this movie and just appreciate it on like a surface level, where it's like you just really like the acting in it, or yeah. you or you know, uh, you like set pieces that take place, or like uh, the, you like I I mentioned a. There's some really like long takes and like really good speeches that the characters have, and you can just take this movie and look at it like that and be like, "This is good because of because of these performances." Uh, but I also think that if you get more background, like Calvin was talking about, like if you listen to interviews about the director and and kind of why he made this movie, and and then you really get like, okay, like Calvin's not wrong. Like this movie's about penises. It, it, it absolutely is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, I, did, just, I didn't listen to all yeah. the interviews, and if that's if that's true, then that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And he well, he doesn't say a lot of it explicitly. He just talks about Jung. And when when I hear things like that, and he's talking about Soviet montage theory or anything Eisenstein, like I know where he's drawing his inspiration from because I've like I've I, I've studied all of those things. I've seen weirder movies than than that even, and so. Once you once you understand that common basis of language, like these these aren't really that um, you know we can get into e- weird weird interpretations later, but these ones right on the surface these are a hundred percent intentional. Yeah, and I don't think it's it stops you from enjoying this movie if you didn't like I said. Y- you I were saying like this movie plenty, and yeah. I didn't catch any. Of that. Yeah, yeah. It, you yeah. don't need to like. I don't think because it, the because it functions. Make me enjoy the movie. More. Yeah, because it functions I think you'll in the enjoy unconscious. It more now. <laughs> yeah, but it functions yeah. in the unconscious. Like that's why we don't need. It doesn't need to be said explicitly. Is because we more or less understand it's what all, they mean. Yeah. At I least need, that's the idea behind you. I needed it told to me because my subconscious was asleep at the wheel. Uh, uh, maybe you just don't know what your subconscious <laughs> is thinking. So I don't know with a name like Papa Dragon. I imagine you know what you're doing. So, Jaden, did you, you did you when you watched the movie? Did you think everything was a penis? I did not think anything was a penis besides the penises. That's a well, that's weird because there are no right. penises. In okay, this movie. the dude is jerking his gherkin I guess, multiple okay, times. Okay, I understand yeah. that. I you mean, don't like, see I mean, the dick, there's not a literal but, penis yeah. in this movie one time. Well, yeah. Apparently, there's a lot. It, yeah, the self abuse yeah. scenes are prevalent. In yeah, this movie. and it actually probably would have been easier if they did make it uh, NC seventeen because there is a literal match. Uh, he, he described it as a juvenile match on action shot of the lighthouse to Robert Pattinson's erect penis. Oh God. Okay, I'm glad that's oh, not. Oh yeah, in I did it. not want to see his yeah. dick. So I'm glad that's not in it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Th- that's a that's a that's a that's a tell don't show moment. I don't want to see that. <laughs> It's I'm more sorry. more fun facts rather yeah. than like explicit imagery yeah. that you're looking for. Uh, I would be well cuz then at the at this point well then now everyone would you'd pick up on that oh this is all about wieners. Yeah, then uh, it's in I'd your like, face and it's not yeah. as uh, like subtle. Yeah. I I'm glad that that scene didn't take place in this <laughs> movie. <laughs> um <laughs> Let's yeah, leave so leave that out, please. <laughs> yeah, and then so uh, to the obvious counterpart to the penises are vaginas and um Plenty in here. I mean, the this, w- the most overt one is, you know, I, I think Jaden's favorite part of the film. Oh, the mermaid vagina. Yeah, so, I mean, like, yeah, a little fun fact about that. So, again, this is just an attention to detail thing that I think when you're watching the movie, you don't really realize this is happening. They researched shark labia to figure out how to make the genitalia for the sirens yeah. that are in the movie. I just I think mean, it's funny that it's, like, 
they they decided so they decided they wanted to put it on like the front of the siren and they wanted to they wanted it to be modeled after like a shark and everything. I just just fun little things like that. It's like yeah. who even takes the time to like let's figure out how we want this to look. I mean, it's a solid two seconds of the entire fucking screen. Yeah, and, is a vagina and of you know, a mermaid and like. I don't know about any of you, but since I was a child, I have been wondering what the fuck that looked like. <laughs> now we get to know. Now we know. Yeah. What, a, what a shark lady no, like? No, what a mermaid just... vagina <laughs> looks like. You don't think I wanted to bang the shit out of Ariel, dude? Oh, my God. <laughs> but I just think it's funny. It's got to be some, like, intern or someone. They were like, okay, I need you to look at a thousand images of shark labia to figure out. <laughs> yeah. Draw us up some concept like, art. And then we need to figure out how to design this. I mean, <laughs> he just dives right in that thing, too, man. And yeah. I just don't know if I would, buddy. And it's it's so interesting thinking of uh, mermaids as, as symbols because, um, I mean, I don't know if anybody's – I mean, just think of the Starbucks logo is based on a mermaid, and it's split tail. Um, that was actually how mermaids were drawn um, pre-Victorian era. I did see an interview where – Edgar said he did that on purpose. He wanted them to be like the split tail ones. He even referenced the Starbucks logo in like an interview he did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so what happened was uh, Victorian England came around and, you know, they turned into a giant culture of prudes. So we had to seal up those legs <laughs> yeah. so no sex was happening with the fish people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, th- yeah, and so they, they, uh, they just continued with the, with the modern um, rendering of uh, Mermaid and then just slapped a shark on it yeah that's literally what they did yeah <laughs> yeah and so yeah then obviously you know for every key there's a keyhole um thinking of uh, the the ore in the cistern um even the burial plot thinking about how um like you were saying um how the power dynamic shifted uh he was digging his own grave I by thought, trying yeah, to control him. That's it's in, a vagina that's in part two where it's like yeah they dig up the the liquor because the rations ran out and then oh, so they're storing booze in the in the vagina yeah, yeah. Which and is so like, I, yeah. honestly, ladies out there, if you could just put something up there every once in a while, surprise <laughs> like me. Complimentary oh snack, God, fucking pop a Jolly Rancher out of there. A mint nice. or something like yeah, a like, Mentos, like a bag of airline peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, it is time for your in-flight meal. <laughs> oh my God, I want, I want to not talk about this anymore. <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> oh my god! So I was gonna say about the mermaid. We we discussed ha- the uh, suppressed homosexual feelings between the two, and the mermaid to me, when um, Robert Pattinson is fantasizing about the mermaid and banging her and stuff, I the reason why I figure that they aren't having repressed sexual feelings for each other is because they're alone on this island, and they're just happy to have physical contact from anyone. Because Robert Pattinson is fantasizing about this mermaid. They're getting a few drinks and they're hanging out, dancing slowly with each other. That's why I didn't think it was repressed feelings. I just, they're the only two on this island and they need some physical contact. So it's like homosexual, it. just more physical. I think, that's not yeah. a, I think that's not a wrong interpretation. Yeah. I, I, I agree that you could take that away from that, th- those scenes for sure. I, I don't think that you're wrong for thinking that. I, I don't think that... I think that the point being conveyed by the filmmaker wasn't that. But again, we've talked about like there's an interaction between the filmmaker and the film, and then there's your interaction with the film. Totally. And those two things can be different. And yeah. You can draw whatever you want from that. Uh, I, 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 I still think uh, – I think when he's fantasizing about the mermaid and stuff, I think it's because he doesn't want to fantasize about 
Willem Dafoe. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so I think I think he. Mm, I, I actually have something to say. If to it's that. repressed, okay. well, then, then he wouldn't. Well, okay, his. that's what I'm saying. So it's like okay, so He's there 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 are plenty of people who are like they they stay closeted and they like they 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 carry on heterosexual lives, mm-hmm. even though they're homosexual and. And and to me, it, it, I thought I thought a lot, because there's there's even parts where he's like he's trying to masturbate to the mermaid and it's like not working, and so mm-hmm. to me it's like oh it's like he like there's some level of his subconscious that he knows like this isn't really what he wants to get off to. Okay, yeah, that's and so he's he's trying so hard to do this with the mermaid, and it's not working, and yeah. so it's like he what he really wants is to let those repress repress feelings out that's okay. what i thought is like because there's like yeah i think there's like maybe two scenes where he tries to masturbate and it's like doesn't go yeah he like throws the mermaid down on the ground yeah. and breaks it and stuff right? yeah yeah and so what i think that and i think connor is right what i think that, that the mermaid uh represents is his anima i think it's his warped sense of um his sexual desire um manifested as a woman um, and y- there's a line that I thought was really interesting uh, at some point in the film. He was talking about um, uh, Wake's uh, wife, and he says, do you feel shame lying with a woman? And Wake says to him, I ain't ashamed of nothing. Yeah. And, you know, and then they both laugh, and it was more like they were just laughing off, you know, this a, a really poignant thought that he does feel like, this isn't right. Like the charm is a manifestation like a, of like his. Like a fake laugh. Like they're like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, the charm <laughs> like is a real uh, representation of um, a manifestation of his anima and his warped sense of like, you know, this Can is. Can you explain what like, that means, anima? So the anima. That's what uh, um, in my little spiel about um, uh, Jungian archetypes. So you have the uh, persona that we show. The shadow that we hide. Oh, shoot. You said this already. Yeah, I need to be reminded because I'm dumb. So. I took notes, so Connor so needs what to is catch it? up. So what is it? I just wrote down those terms, persona, <laughs> shadow, <laughs> I'm still waiting for you to define it, but I wrote it down. Okay. Are you thinking of enema, and I know that's not <laughs> Dude, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. I was like, enema is not it. Yeah. So, so you have the anima and the animus, and they are the corresponding opposite um, sexual um, – or or gender expression, right? Of, okay, of, of okay. A yeah, yeah, right, right. So okay, okay. so to a man, you have the anima, which is embodied in a woman, and that is what I think is uh, the um, mermaid is in in this case. He it is um, his his anima um, represented as a woman and expressing his sexual desire, um, but it's warped. That's why it looks like a mermaid because it's not right. It's supernatural. It's kind of weird. Um, and that, weird. and that's why he like he he gets scared having sex with it, or when he first finds it, like and breaks the breaks the trinket and all that. Like it's not working because it's warped because it's not what he actually wants. That's why I think I think Connor is right, and it's just that that deeper psychological like um, reasoning behind it. But I mean, so honestly, like I was on board with Skeeto on this in the beginning, and the more that you guys have talked about the repression of their homosexual natures. I realized, like, before you had brought it up, of him tossing down the mermaid in almost, like, frustration. Right, he's right. To and he stabs it. Baloney. Yeah. He sta- and that's why and he like, starts going he says going he, like, crazy. breaks, like, the fucking curse or something like that to, to Willem Dafoe, whatever like that. But, yeah. I he's think denying. That, I think that maybe he just yeah. wants some dick, dude, and he he's just doesn't denying, want to accept that. Yeah, he is cool. denying his yeah. anima. And that's kind of you a stab a, it, like, that's why he's not in sequi- psychic Stabs it with his freaking kitchen knife that we learned earlier is a dick. Exactly. 
So it's kind of cool to have oh, these. Snap. Wow. <laughs> it's cool to have these discussions while I do this. Cause so we, we, we kind of go into these episodes where we, we don't really discuss the movie beforehand. Like we, we all kind of want to hear each other's reactions like kind of in the moment and then discuss them. And so it's kind of cool that like we were talking about like, yeah, this movie's phallic in nature. And James like, no, it's not. And now, now, like you're kind of like, oh, okay, now yeah, I get what you're saying. Everything's a dick. Yeah. yeah, everything's a penis. So oh, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's cool to, and I feel like that's how a lot of people are when you discuss movies with your friends. You know, like, every time I watch Michael Bay films, like, oh, there's nothing but dicks and explosions. <laughs> a building in a Michael Bay movie is just a dick. But yeah. it's just cool. It's just cool. I, I just like, I like having these conversations with you guys. And it's cool to be able to record it and put it on, and then, uh, and then you know, we kind of, we kind of figure out along the way, like, oh, okay, I didn't see that, and you, you kind of glean more from the people around you. I think it's cool. Yeah, I, it's, I just love doing this awesome. so much. Yeah. 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 And so, and then the last like big one would be the light. You know, obviously the light, uh, represents a lot of things, but I would say, I, I actually want to, I want to hear your in- interpretation of what you think the light is. It's a fucking light. Okay. Okay. That's excellent. Excellent. Well, yeah. <laughs> Next I'm, like seriously, like, like I think that, uh, like at the end when he like burns himself on it or whatever, I think that he's just losing his fucking mind and that it, there's a fire in there. So, but but it still has like obvious representation to him. Oh, as okay. So yes. what? So what do you think it is? So I think that it's like something that's coveted. It's like something that uh, Wake is trying to keep from Winslow, and I think it is more about like kind of like the psychological warfare that he's playing on Winslow. I think it has. To, to me, I always thought the light was just something to like have power over him and be like, you'll never have this. Like I'm the keeper of the light. This is my job. You won't get here. And I know that there is like some kind of mythological, uh, background to this. I know there's like the Prometheus myth that like plays a role in this story. And the first time I watched this, I didn't know that. And the second time I watched, it, I did know the myth. And so it like played a bigger role, but just like on first take, I just thought it was like, I thought it was more of a psychological thing. Like how, how, how can he like, hold something over his head like you'll never get here you'll never have this and he he messes with like uh winslow's like uh experience as far as like time is he 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 tries to trick winslow into thinking he did things he didn't do he's he he can't have the light he can't do this he can't do that he's he's bad at his job and so to me i just thought it was more like a another way for him to like have the upper hand in like their power dynamic i didn't really take any more like because the the light to me is like vague and so I didn't really see a lot of, like, symbolic nature in it or anything like that. I just kind of thought it was just something that he had for, like, power. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of points I agree with you on that. I mean, I kind of saw it as, like, a, a carrot on a stick making a, a dog run or a rabbit run. Doing whatever he... Carrots are like donkeys. Why would a dog chase I, a carrot? Sorry, I get, sorry, I'm sorry. I, I mean, give Luna the... carrots every single day. Sorry, I'm derailing your point. It's fine. It's I've fine. never seen a I... dog chase a carrot. Luna loves carrots, and that's why I bring it up. Okay. But um, it's like... Uh, I kind of thought of it as like a way for him for for Wake to make uh, Winslow do all of the work. He's like, "Hey, you'll eventually get here at some point. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is." Because he does say Ooh. that he's like, yeah. you're, "You're a wiki in the making." Yes, he and does he's say like, that, he's yeah. like, "If you keep doing this, you'll eventually be able to get up here." And he makes it seem like it's something that's way more than what it is by being up there all the time, like almost like he's addicted to it. When I think he's just fucking lazy. Yeah. yeah. No, I. That's and it makes it seem like it's something he can attain. Yes. I like that. I like that idea, especially, especially talking about how like he's like, oh, you could do this job. He's like, someday you'll get your own lighthouse yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah, he's talking shit about him in his book the whole time. Yeah. yeah, I had a I had a hard time trying to figure out what the the metaphor of the light was. I I was 
I was watching it, and all I could think about was Pulp Fiction and like the briefcase, and like what's in the briefcase. Oh like, wow! I was just watching. I was like, I think that's a very that's good, a good like, the lighthouse. I think that's what, an what's, excellent what's comparison. Yeah, yeah. So, I think it's a good comparison. Yeah, yeah, like necessary ambiguity. Um, one of my favorite things about the light is the way it's visually represented throughout the film. Like you have this one shot where um, uh, Winslow is at the just outside of the house and he's looking up at the light and he sees uh, a naked image of Defoe. Or yeah, like the silhouetted uh, Yeah, the silhouette yeah. like of the light passing and then cuts back to him and the light it keeps passing over uh, Winslow's face. And then when you cut back up, um, Wake is fully clothed and steps out onto the little roost. Yeah. Um, and then how that mirrors the hypnos shot where the light extends out of Wake's eyes and sees... Um. Uh, Winslow. Does that does that shot come after he's Winslow has said that he's not Winslow? He's yes, because he turns over the body. Right, and so I. Because now he yeah. sees him. Right, right. Okay, that's that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so like he's figuring out this is your true self. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and it's these psychic elements coming, like the shadow self. Um, you know, being discovered. Right. And and it's that light coming and seeing him and I, I just thought that's such a such a great yeah. visual representation i just love that I, I love like you could pause on that scene i just love that still it's so good oh it's beautiful yeah, yeah. it's a it's a very well done shot yeah absolutely um but yeah i think i that's how i interpret the the light it's um the thing is is like we'll get to myth interpretation later and speaking of myth interpretations i think that's a, a good thing for us to tackle in our next part uh so uh, we're going to wrap this one up now, and uh, I just want to thank everyone for listening. This is uh, Now This Is Podcasting. I'm your host, Connor, and I got my co-host, Jaden, <laughs> and our producer, McKinnon, What's up? and former guest, Calvin. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. <laughs>